we live in a culture, and we have for quite a while, um, we live in a culture that has, uh, where many people have separated their lives into sections and compartments. Uh, a vast group of people have separated their lives into a sacred and a secular uh, sec in sections. Uh, Sunday and the rest of the week. Uh, and then, then all of a sudden, Sunday's kind of just been dropped off for a lot of people. Um, there, there, for many of us, there's what we say we believe in our times of worship, and then there's uh, and there's what we do and say and how we live the rest of the time. There's church time, and then there's life. We live in these compartments. Wilbur Reese, many decades ago, I don't know how many, I know it was like 40 years ago when I read this, and, and I think it was older. It may have been old then. <laughs> so it's been a while, around a while. He wrote uh, these lines several decades ago. I think they're still true for many people. Um, it goes like this. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough of him to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not uh, transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack, please. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. So many of us, so many people I've observed over the years, so many people want just enough Jesus to get into heaven when they die, and enough to look respectable in this life, and not enough to really make a difference otherwise. And Jesus came into this world 2,000 years ago with a dramatically different offer. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Mark chapter 1. We're still in Mark chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the gospel of Mark throughout this year. So if you want to read ahead, feel free. It's only 16 chapters long. You can read through it several times. Mark chapter 1, we're going to read verse 1 and then verses 14 and 15. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 is the chap, is like the title for the entire book. Mark says, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The good news about Jesus. Then in verses 14 and 15, he tells us what Jesus did. After John, John the baptizer, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Believe the good news. Why does Jesus call us to believe the good news? Well, I'm going to do a quick review because a few weeks ago we talked about the good news or the gospel. What is this? What is the gospel? What is the good news? The good news is the history of God's actions through Jesus. Jesus launched a whole new era 
of restoration and healing when he came. And so we're living in a whole new period of history. That's what the word gospel or that idea of good news meant to the Romans. They talked about it when Caesar Augustus was born. A whole new period of history has begun. The Son of God has come. That's what they said about Augustus. So you can imagine some people being confused when people started saying the same thing about Jesus. Jewish people were looking forward to someone who would announce the good news. Brought peace on the mountains. Glad tidings. They were all looking for good news of a whole new period of history. And here Jesus ushers it in. So the real question I want us to deal with is what does Jesus mean by believe? The word he uses has three facets. <clears throat> and they're all personal. They have some sense of a personal or relational uh, nature to them. All three of these facets. The one facet is belief. Uh, and this is kind of the mental aspect uh, of faith. We, we need to accept the truth of the existence of something or someone. We have to believe it exists. Or we have to believe someone exists. It's really difficult to have a relationship with someone that we don't think exists. Ponder that for just a moment. But I need to go further than that. We also need to have an acceptance of their truthfulness, of their integrity. We have to have some sense that their character is decent. The author to the, of the book of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We need to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's one aspect of faith. It's having this sense, this mental sense, yes, I know that God exists and I can trust him, that, he, that he's got a character that I can believe in. These things are true and I can believe that they are true. That's one facet. Another facet is, is trust. This, this is kind of more of the emotional side of faith. We need to feel that the other person or this other thing uh, is something that's beneficial for us, and that the person would care for us. And we also need to feel that we are loved and that we, by them, or, and that we can respond in love to them. We can trust them in a loving relationship. The final facet of belief is loyalty. This aspect of faith has to do with our decisions and our actions, we, where we voluntarily align our plans and our behaviors with the person or the thing that we believe in. Voluntarily. If someone sticks a gun to your head and tells you, I'm going to kill you if you don't do this, you don't really have any sense of loyalty to them. 
you're probably already trying to figure out exactly how you're going to get the gun away from your head and use it on them. Well, at least if you've got the kind of competitive, nasty nature that I have. I see some of you do by the smiles on your face. Yeah. So, so when Jesus says, believe the gospel, believe the good news, he's talking about not just believing that it exists and not just believing that it's true, but he's also talking about being loyal to it, lining up our actions and our decisions with it and being trusting it and putting our confidence, our, our laying up our emotions with it. He's saying to us, trust, loyalty, and belief. Need to go into this. He's saying to us what we already know intuitively. Trust, loyalty, and belief form the only firm foundation for all of our relationships. You can't really have a good relationship with somebody you don't trust or with somebody you're not willing to be loyal to or with somebody you don't believe in. We may ask for $3 worth of God, but Jesus offers us all of God and asks us to give him all of ourselves. He invites each person to trust him with their whole heart, to believe in him with their whole mind, and to align their whole life with his life. He says the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. He calls for us to be whole. Yeah. Jesus asks for all of us, and in exchange, he offers to give all of himself. But that's the sticking point, isn't it? From the very first generation of humans to every single person who walks the face of the planet Earth today, we're not satisfied with knowing God. We want to act as gods in our lives. Oh, I know, we don't ever say it out loud. I mean, to say it out loud is scary. <clears throat> what would the... How would God respond if we actually told him we wanted to be in charge? So we just pretend that we don't want to be in charge and And we act like we do. We just forget to voluntarily align our plans and actions with his. Well, do it. Then we bump into Jesus. 
and he turns everything all around. <laughs> Not upside down, but right side up, which seems upside down to us because we are so used to everything being upside down. He turns it right side up. See, Jesus came not to dominate and to control us, but to serve and to sacrifice for us. He declared, I came not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. And see, we'll, we're okay with almost, we're okay with putting our weight on accepting the truths that, of the, that the Bible teaches. We're okay with saying yes to the doctrines. I believe the Apostles' Creed. I accept the doctrines of the church. On Sunday, or when I'm in Bible study, and and we we're okay with lining up with most of the behaviors, as long as it doesn't require us to change a whole lot. We're okay with accepting doctrines and behaviors and accept and saying that that's the key to believing the good news. But then Jesus says, wait a minute, that's not quite all of it because I want you to not just only believe the truths of the gospel. And I don't want you to just be partially loyal to the gospel. I want you to be completely loyal to the gospel, and I want you to be sold out in your trust of the gospel. I want you to trust me, because I am the gospel, is what Jesus says to us. Jesus asks for all of us in exchange for all of him. I want you to pause with me for a moment and think about that deal. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, creator of the universe says, I want to be all yours. All I ask is that you become all mine. Imagine the world's richest people, not just the world's richest person, but the top cream of the cream, you know, the, the, the most wealthiest people in the world all got together and came to your house this afternoon and said, we would like to exchange our bank accounts for your bank account. Our lawyers have drawn up the papers. All we need you to do is to write us a check and sign this contract. Buffett's there, Bill Gates is there, a bunch of their cronies are there, they're all standing there going, we want to just give you all the money we have. And we want your bank account in exchange. How many of us would hesitate 
I would not. I would gladly exchange, I would gladly exchange my bank account for even one of theirs. For half of one of theirs. 10% of one of theirs. 1% of one of theirs. And the King of Kings and Lord of Lords has come to me and says, I will give you all of me. All I want is all of you. And after something in us that says, mm. what's he saying? What's he really saying? What's he really saying when he says, believe the gospel? He says, this is the sermon in a sentence, build your life on me. Build your life on King Jesus. That's what it means to build, believe the gospel. Build your life on King Jesus. Not part of your life, not your Sunday morning life, not your devotional life, not your sister's spiritual life, your whole life. Your 24-7, 365 and a quarter days a year life. For every moment of every year you're alive, life. Build your life on Jesus. Do you believe the good news about Jesus? Are you building your life on Jesus as your king? Now I want to address some folks who might be starting to panic and not if you are in the process of just asking questions and beginning to ask questions about Jesus and what it means to follow him, please don't panic. I'm not talking to you. I am, however, addressing the people who have gone public with their commitment to follow Jesus and who call themselves Christians and followers of Jesus. And I am asking you, as I ask myself, are you building your life on Jesus? What's the foundation of your relationship with Jesus? How strong is your confidence in God's love for you? How firm is your commitment to align your decisions and your actions with his life? How deep is the love you share with Jesus? Where can your relationship with Jesus grow? Believe the gospel with your whole life. Not just your head, but your head, your heart, and your actions. That's what he calls us to. Let's pray. King Jesus, we're going to ask for what may seem to be unimaginable to some of us. We want to become so completely and overwhelmingly filled with your life, with your light and your love 
that we become the most incredibly generous, encouraging people that our neighbors have ever seen. In short, we want to be more like you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill us with so much grace, goodness, truth, and kindness that our loved ones hardly recognize us anymore. We want to become so much more like Jesus, more than we've ever imagined possible. Lord, our goal is to have our life, give our lives back to you, to abandon ourselves to you as our creator. We want to exchange all that we are for all that you are. to surrender our focus on attempting to do great things for you. Jesus, we long for you to do great things in us. Come Holy Spirit, produce your fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, make us more likely to think like Jesus and to act like Jesus does than we've ever been before. Hey, Jesus, no one has loved us like you. No one has ever loved us as you do. And this really is our only reasonable response to give ourselves to you. It would not make sense to withhold the little things that we are. From your great honor. You've shown your love for us by dying on the cross. You've overcome our enemies. You've already begun to work in us. And we love you. So we give ourselves to you. friends online thank you for joining us we uh, encourage you if you have not already joined the champions of hope uh, facebook group please feel free to do that there's a link in the description and, uh, do that for all of us online and on site jesus sends us to follow him and giving our lives for the world introducing others to the holy spirit's powerful love often involves weeping and wrestling but we don't do it alone we don't go alone we go with jesus we are sent 
you are sent go with Jesus as he invites others into his kingdom family go in the power of the Holy Spirit